Welcome to Unpopular Black Thoughts. Um, all right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unpopular Black Thoughts. I'm your host, Kyle Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Jalen Caravaggio. Jalen, how you doing? Yes, sir. We good. We good. Yes, sir. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. How you feeling, Kyle? I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, especially we've been out of school for like two to three weeks now. So I'm, I'm just relaxing. Man, chilling. Everybody, just like both of us, chilling but bored. Thanks. Bored out of our minds. We literally have nothing to do. And exactly. I know everybody that's listening has either tried to cut their hair, just like myself, or <laughs> or y'all are furred right now. Y'all have no cut at all. Y'all looking like Y'all looking like oh oh my gosh, what's his name? The the wrestler that they try to make oh, Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice. Yeah, like Kimbo that's how Slice. LeBron was looking. Bro, Kim, bro, LeBron was looking straight like Kimbo Slice. That one picture, he had the gray hairs in his beard and everything. Exactly, man. I know y'all looking just like that, but man, back in it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting podcast today. Some of the subject, Cal. All right, so this episode, we're going to talk about sports. So uh, you just want to hop right into it? We're going to hop right into it. All right, so the first discussion is going to be about Mikey Williams. So for those of you that don't know, Mikey Williams is currently a guard at, um, it was like San, uh, I don't know, it was some high school in San Diego, but he's currently the number third player on ESPN's top 25 for the class of 23. And so basically, he's like a top player. And he tweeted out during this whole Black Lives Matter movement that going to an HBCU wouldn't be that bad. So I'm we just gonna get our thoughts on it. I think if Mikey Williams goes to an HBCU, that's gonna be huge for the eight for the schools and the black community because that's going especially if he can be a lottery pick or a top pick because that's just gonna show that like you it's not the that shows one that the schools don't make you just the players like right, right. so. And also, now that they're starting to play, um, college athletes are saying they can make deals and stuff. You know, HBCUs are in black neighborhoods. So if you got them, all them small businesses, you can do them endorsement deals and help build up that community and the businesses. So I think this would be huge. I think it's a win win for the uh, black community and Mikey Williams. Right. So, Jay, I, yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely is is definitely going to be an improvement, like you said, for the economy in those neighborhoods. Because think about it, if you're if you're Mikey Williams you're in high school, and, or I mean, I'm I'm sorry, you're in a college, and you go to an HBCU and you represent it for your community. First off, with this the Black Lives Matter movement is definitely gonna he's gonna be on the first wave and spark of number one recruits, top ten recruits to go to HBCUs to represent right. and do it for their communities. And when you're doing it for these HBCUs, he's actually, uh, he's not directly, he's going to be indirectly saving a lot of HBCUs and their attentions. Because think about it, because HBCUs now, at a, at a high rate, they're closing down. Like, right. All like all over the south, like you got some small HBCUs, HBCU schools that's closing down because of underfundment and if you have somebody like Mikey Williams 
who will who bring basically the economy, small its own economy to an HBCU, that would be that would be great and beneficial towards those those HBCUs. Um, it doesn't matter where he goes to now because it's going to be like okay, if he said say for example he goes to Hampton or uh, Howard or uh, where wherever Morehouse or whatever, he right. goes there. And it's gonna be it's gonna be beneficial because now other basketball players like himself that's gonna go there and like dag, we can go here and we're gonna. It, what's the point of going to uh, Kansas or Ohio or I don't know Alabama like these D one schools, right? Like Duke or like Carolina, right? And yeah, I'm not gonna. What am I gonna do? And I'm not getting paid. And they're already looking at me as a top ten recruit from high school, so it's going to be the same exact way when I go to college. And I'm not going, really going to be building up a reputation. I'm still going to be playing at uh, at at the same level, kind of. But it's just with everybody's just bigger. It's not like right. it's it's the NBA. Like I mean, we still we're still young and developing, so it wouldn't make exactly. a difference. It really wouldn't make a difference. The competition levels is isn't going to be there immediately but soon enough mm-hmm. if he does that he's going to spark more of a competition levels and more people to pour into the hbcus and represent and you know you know donate or wh- whatever they want to do and help out those hbcus i think it'll definitely be, be right. beneficial towards the mm-hmm. hbcus so and that's my perspective from it yeah and i agree with you and like you said that's going to um, you know, it's not going to be as competitive. I mean, HBCU levels, like those schools, they are pretty competitive. But you know, if you got D one players, like you got um these people, like Michael Jordan, LeBron, um, what's his name, like Michael Jordan, like James Harden, all them back in the day. Just think, like maybe, like think if Zion and that big three from Duke, like two years ago, think if they all three of them would have went to Hampton instead, or if like the Fab Five would have went to like uh, North Carolina A and T, for example. Like it would have brought, it would have right. drew more crowds in. It would have got the schools more, uh, you know, like help with the funding and help them get more views on TV. And that's gonna have people right. think like, oh, maybe um they're getting coverage. I can go there, and that's gonna bring in more top recruits. Right. And just like um, I think it, it this is just a little bit of an but like when uh people found out that J Cole went, it's not an HBCU, I think. But J. Cole went to St. John's University. A lot of people started going into towards St. John's University just because J. Cole went there. Right. And so it was like, well, I think, is it St. John's University that um, J. Cole went to? Uh, I think so. Let me check. But uh, whatever college he went to, a lot of people started attending that college right afterwards because it was like, oh, yeah, like J. Cole just, J. Cole went to that college. And he says it in his rep. And so... Just like that, with Mikey Williams, he can do the same exact thing, but towards an HBCU. Right. So it was, it was St. John's. It was St. John's, and that was yeah. in uh, Carolina, North Carolina, South Carolina. I forgot. Right. But it I was think... one of the, it was one of them. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, he definitely towards an HBCU, he will grab more attention, and he'll just be that spark, or that first, um, or like the first bang or uh, like a boom towards people actually looking at HBCUs as like a first option. Exactly. For for more a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then and another thing is like because in the NFL we've seen Tom like 
a couple first round picks or like some stars that came out of HBCUs. Like um crap. Steve McNair went to HBCU. I know Walter Payton went to one. Uh Jerry Rice went to one. He was like that was like Mississippi State, I think. Or Mississippi State Valley or something like that. Yeah, I was about to um, say Walter Payton though before. I know for and sure then, Right. And then recently you got Tariq Cohen coming out of the North Carolina A and T. And um I think last year the Texans drafted a guard in the first round or attack wise in the first round, Titus Howard. He went to Alabama State. So we in the NFL we've seen like different players come from HBCUs, but in the NBA, the only player I can really think of is Kyle O'Quinn from Norfolk State. And it's like no disrespect to Kyle O'Quinn. He's been like he's a good basketball player, but it's like you're not on that level of like LeBron, Kyrie, you know, right. Curry, right? So now if you have Mikey Williams being a, a top like top three top lottery pick from like a, from a Howard or a Norfolk State, then that draw, brings them more exposure and more kids are starting gonna start to go there and then the schools start to do schools and communities start to do better. Right. And we we've seen this before it happened uh what's the name? I saw this in the Michael Vick documentary, the thirty for thirty. He went to Virginia Tech once they start once he started going off and they started winning. Like the school stores were doing better, like the community around them was doing better. Uh, the program got more uh, TV time on the better uh, networks, and that just he basically helped boost that um, boost that area. So now, if you got a top recruit, a, a lottery pick going to an HBCU, that's going to hit. That's going to hit the D one players, the D one schools like uh, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. That's going to hit them in the pockets. And then have help the HBCUs out, right? I I forgot. Um, no, is Murray is Murray State a HBCU that John Morant went nah. to? Oh, it's nah, not? I don't think so. Uh, mm. I was about to say because I know it, it wasn't a a huge school, a, a huge school, but I was about to make another analogy, but just for basketball. But John Morant, pe- people literally nobody heard of Murray State. I'm sorry, I don't. Like, exactly. Majority of people didn't hear of Murray State, but then once people started seeing John Morant dunking on people and doing windmills and three six, like they're like, who, who is this kid? Who is this dude? And then they see it's from Murray State, and then people are like, yo, it's John Morant's on Murray State. Now people started looking at Murray State and like, bro, Murray, bro, this, this dude John Moran is tough, and he goes to Murray State. So now people are like, bro, this school might be developing young talent. So now people started people started tuning into Murray State just from John Moran too. Right. Like nobody heard of Murray. Like I, I can't stress that enough. Like nobody heard of Murray State. Like <laughs> people only heard of Murray State just because of John Moran. Like, is that like if you like before John Moran started going? If you if you went to me and was like, "Yo, you saw that uh, Murray State game last night?" I'd be like, no. "What, bro? What are you talking about, man? Oh, what is that? Like, who is that? Like, bro. it's like I know I know everybody who listen. Like, I know y'all have them um them colleges that pop up in your email. And be like, uh, from the PSAT <laughs> practice, exactly." Yeah, it'd be like Murray State. Just like who? Like what? Like North Carolina A and T State University College? What? Now you gotta put it in the search engine. Be like, what is? Yeah, what's this school? All right, all right, all right, all right. Indiana University Tech College, 
of community. What? What did you say? Exactly. What? What is this? Belmont, and I, was, I ended up getting a, a a thing from Belmont University. I'm like, bro, what is Belmont University? Where is that at? Apparently, it's in Tennessee. Like co- schools that you've never heard of. Yeah, like, I got one from uh Hampton, Sydney. I was like, what is this? I didn't. Even, <laughs> I found out it was in Virginia. I was like, I've never heard of that. Place. Exactly. John Morant went to one of those schools and made it popping. And it's the same thing that Mikey Williams can do. For I mean, Hampton and Howard isn't a school that you know is like just unheard of. Like 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 we said for like Murray State or whatever. But like, right? It's still a school that needs. Those schools, the HBCUs, need attention. And so if mm-hmm. he comes there, he's going to bring more attention to those areas. And like we said, bring more economy and more people to set up and uh, focus on those HBCUs. And especially in a right. bigger way, just because it's the Black Lives Matter movement, too. And so a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people looking like, okay, how can we improve these Black businesses? How can we do... Uh, blah, 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 how can we improve the neighborhoods or whatever? You know, right. and people—that's mm-hmm. what people looking for, looking towards. And so, I think it would definitely be a boost, and it would be a great idea and a, a great thing for Mikey Williams to do it, and for for him to be that spark. Right, start the initiative, like take that initiative, right? Because he has he has to be the one to sacrifice. Somebody has to sacrifice something. And if Mike Williams exactly. is going to be is willing to do that, and if it if his draft stock drops because of that, he, I think he he's definitely going to be brave to to do such, and def- mm-hmm. definitely be good for him to do that, and definitely be good for us to look at him as as an example, and like like what he's I think I seen something that was like um that he said he was like uh yeah he wants to go there. I think he said he wanted he would like to go to uh, HBCU because his mom went to an HBCU. And, yeah, his mother went to Hampton. Yeah, and he said some I forgot. He said something, something, something. But then he said he also yeah wanted he to wanted to like yeah lead by example too. He said he mm-hmm. wanted and he said like what we say he said he wanted to be like that the first person to do that and and also the Black Lives Matter movement definitely inspired him to do so. Right. So I think that would definitely be great. Definitely great. Mm-hmm. And another thing too is um I think like before this like a couple of days or weeks ago, I saw Ricky Smiley posted something saying that um he's saying like y'all wanna do a real protest, pull your sons out the D one uh a- athletics and enroll them in HPCUs. So I feel like this whole uh th- this whole wave is like bound to come at some point. And then, I mean, another thing, we saw this, like, last year or two years ago with uh, Josh Christopher. He, I think he he had a visit at Howard, and then it was – the big question was, like, um, he, you know, could the top recruit go to Howard? He he didn't end up going there, but it sparked that conversation, and now Michael Williams is doing the same thing. And with Williams being, like, a higher recruit, you know. Right. And just uh, – Yeah. So, um, and also, Mikey Williams, if you're listening to this, I believe you should go to the North Carolina A&T State because I will be <laughs> there next next year. I'm just saying, A&T, if you want to give them a full ride, you know, I'm just saying. Because, yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all definitely <laughs> a football school, but 
know. But um, all right. So that was the first topic. Now on to the next one. We're gonna move to the landscape of the NFL here, as the NFL was trying to in, um, they came with a plan to hire more minor- minority coaches. And the plan was that if you hire a minority coach or a GM, you would get more incentives based off of that. So, yeah, so this was like, uh, I believe it was like beginning of the year, around February, the March in that area. And I just I just remember hearing different people speak out on it. And my thing is that I think it's I think it's a slap in the face for the fact that one, you only have like three. You only have three minority coaches. You got. Mike Tomlinson, who's the longest tenured. Then you got Anthony Lynn of the Chargers. And you got Ron Rivera of the Redskins. My thing is, in order for teams to actually hire a minority coach or a coach of color or a GM, the fact that you basically have to bribe them, it's a slap in the face. And that was, and now you got to think, if you're a minority coach or a GM, you got to think, oh, did I get this because of my color or did I get this because I'm qualified? Right. So, you want to say something on that? Man, like you said, it's it's going to be like, it's kind of like a, it's weird to kind of say, it's like, okay, if I hired this minority coach, and it's like, okay, I get this bonus, but did I get it because I really earned this spot, or did I get this because this team wanted to be have a, a, a hire or get a a, 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 a boost, basically? Right. Because I remember what you were saying, it was like uh, you would get earlier draft yeah. picks because of this. You would get earlier draft picks because of, oh, if uh, if they hire some, yeah, if they hire minority coaches or uh, somebody in the, I think, wasn't it also in the GM spot? Yeah. Like, in other I have, the, list, I have the, uh, the list up right here. So it says, after hiring a minority head coach, teams will move up six spots in the third round of the draft preceding the coach's second year. Teams will move up 10 spots in the third round for hiring a person of color as a GM. And if a, a head coach and GM position were filled with minority candidates in the same year, they will move up as far as 16 spots. And then additional incentives available for not firing the coach or GM within the first two seasons. Right. And so it, it's like, okay, you get higher picks in the draft if you hire a, a minority coach. And it's like, okay, uh, did I really – I mean, at the same time, it, it has to be something where it's like, okay, you have to keep this head coach for a certain amount of time in a certain period so, uh, so that it's not like, okay, you hire this coach and then in the middle season, you like, okay, move right. on. Like, I don't want you no more. Like, it can't be like that. It can't – and it can't just be like that for that one year. And plus, it'll be hectic because it's going to be like, okay, teams can strategically – plan out and say like okay certain players are third round talents and there's a lot of great players that have come in yeah. late rounds and even some of the greatest players that have played in the game of football have been have come from the later rounds i think more came from the later rounds than the earlier rounds actually mark andrews ravens third yeah. round <laughs> right and this is like bro like it's like a lot of teams could get like a, a head up and a lot of teams can really Get a a boost strategically if they do the, do so. So it has to be a lot of a lot of things to go behind this, and to make sure that this head coach has uh, a certain amount of uh, years to to be in contract mm-hmm. as 
because if you're going to be able to utilize this, and it has to be something like, okay, I have this coach, I have this coach or this GM, and I also want to, since I have this coach, I also want to play this card this year. And if, and it's like, it's going to be wrong if you do it like that, because it's like, okay, you're only using them because of right. this. You only want you because you want to play that card. You know, it's gonna be like, really? Mm-hmm. And then, and if they, and if you really want to do that, teams should. If if you're gonna hire somebody to be in a position to to coach a team, then that person should be the one making the pick, right? Honestly, because if you think it's like, okay, you're going you're going to try to utilize for uh, ten picks earlier, but you should give that person who was hired that pick, right? And it's, if you want to, especially with that. some teams, because I know some teams have um, coaches where they have like a higher power in that front office, like where they where they work with the GM or they can act as a GM. Right. So they, I, I agree with that part where they should make the pick, right? And um, I would definitely say, like, I think, um, um, I think it's a, it's a they're trying to. I think I like the attempt and effort to try to get more diversity right. with it within people to to be in the higher up position to actually manage the players as opposed to just just all white office and it should be more black people in those in those offices. I think I like the attempt, but this approach isn't it, it, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of weird. Like if it, uh, if. I don't know. It would sound weird. Like I just came up like, if you wanted to hire to a black coach, then it shouldn't like. It it could be like you could say like okay, you get like a, you get more cap space or something like that. I don't think it wouldn't be as. I don't think it would be as bad. But at the same time, I'm thinking about. It, I'm like maybe that that's probably as. Yeah, because then you could be like oh. Oh, we couldn't sign this player before, and now let's bring him in because we got a black right. coach. Like, right. I think I like the concept, but there, it, it's just the wrong approach. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I but, agree with what they're. I agree with what they're trying to do, like how they're trying to bring attention to this. But it's not. I don't. I don't agree with the um, with the method that they're trying to do. Right. Like, say this because yeah. this year Jason Garrett got fired by the by the Cowboys. So say that rule was in uh, order. So then Jerry Jones, um, say somebody goes up to Jerry Jones, be like, all right, Jones, we got two, we got two coach offers. He might just be like, all right, what, um, he might just be like, what are the races? One black, one's black, one's white. Give me the black one. But sir, I think you should let nope. Just give me the black coach. Turns out, and then they hire him and stuff. Turns out. That coach ended up going like winless for four seasons in college, and never done nothing. Had like zero star recruits. I mean, I don't think that's going. I don't think no G, no owner's going to look like that. I mean, you probably you had to be like the worst owner if you just if you do it by that method. But you get on track. Right. I think I think it should be more. Uh, Black coaches at a collegiate level, like at more, like more D one yeah. schools. I think that's how it's going to make a, a a different spark. But I mean, like, how would they do that? I think, I think only if you actually like 
go into like the collegiate schools and more of these these D one schools are saying, okay, we'll get this we'll get this black coach because he actually earned the spot. You know, he actually earned the spot, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way, yeah. but everything that I'm thinking of right now is like it's kind of wrong because it's like, man, because they should, nobody should be deserving a plus from getting a black coach, right? Like nobody should be getting a reward or a prize from having a black coach, mm-hmm. like. And it's hard. Like, I think, you know what I think should happen? I think more colleges should be looking at uh, these black programs. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the cities and looking at the coaches as opposed to picking up these players. Right. Because, like, we have, I mean, we go, to, we go to MSJ, so, I mean, we have a white coach. But, like, think about, like, the public schools. And these public schools have black coaches. Yeah. And these some of these public schools are actually doing really good, well. Like, um, I mean, for a cup for a while, Polly was doing good. Oh yeah. And then I don't, I don't know, if Poly, I don't know if Polly's doing so well, but right now I haven't looked. But like them, um, Milford did okay. Yeah. I know Milford did okay. Milford was okay. But I mean, like, yeah, they was okay. But I'm saying, like, a couple years ago, City Polly and in Dunbar and um, right in other public schools that's here. I mean, I'm just saying for here because I don't really know about like the rest of the nation, mm-hmm. but like just specifically like us, we was doing well and we were doing we were doing really good. And we were like, I think all all four of all three of those schools were top 100 in the nation a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and still they'd rather look at like coaches. That are like in these in these private school programs. That's like, oh yeah, we'll hire we'll hire this white coach that's right here because he was more successful in the in the private school program. And it shouldn't be like that. It should be like a coach that you know that has that's had success in the in the public school pro- and start introducing more of a, a diverse crowd as opposed to just just sticking to what you know. Right. I don't know. And then that's another thing, because most of these coaches be coming up from the college level. But, like, in the past, we've seen that coaches from the college level don't particularly work out that well. Like, um, this come – listen, I'm I'm a Ravens and Eagles fan. So, all you Eagles fans out there, y'all know Chip Kelly in Philly. That was a disaster. That did not work out. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just – and Stephen A., I uh, heard Stephen A. Uh, speaking out on this. And he was saying that he believes that it should be a, it should be a requirement that you have to be a coach and like you shouldn't be from college. You have to be a coordinator. I think I think he was saying like you should have to be a coordinator at the co- at the NFL level for a period of time. I I think that's a great idea because if you think about it, most of these coordinators are people of color. Like the like Chiefs who just, Super Bowl winning champs, Kansas City Chiefs. They had the high powered offense, one of the best offenses in the league. The offense coordinator, Eric, uh, it was like Eric Bellamy. I don't believe. I remember people were talking about him getting the. Uh, he might get a coaching offer. I don't believe he got a single head coach uh, offer. And then, um, well, like Miami, you should. exactly. And then my, and now I could get if you want to say Kansas City, but like he didn't get an offer. And another example, San Francisco had one of the best defenses, and you got Robert Sala. Uh, versus the Browns are looking at Robert Sala or the Vikings offensive coordinator. They went with the Vikings offensive coordinator, even though Sala um, shut down that offense in the playoffs. 
Now again, he probably wanted to stay, but you get the point. And then, right, um, like Miami. Oh, they got another coach too. Um, Brian Flores. He was the defensive coordinator for New England, and in my Dolphins were like, you "No, know let's bring him to be our head coach since New England's a divisional rival, so that we have some intel on them and we can um, game plan against them." So like, I, I think I believe the coordinator idea is. I think that would be a good idea. Either that, and I was another idea. I would say is that at least um, I would say at least like fifty percent. I would say fifty percent of the people that you look at have to be people of color, so that it's at least a fair chance. Right. So that like, if you're looking at four new, if you oh, look, like, uh, yeah, yeah. So like, if you're looking at say, oh my bad. Oh, no, so say like, um, say the Browns looked at four coaches this year, possible head coaches. Say two of the, all right, you're looking at four coaches. Two of those have to be people of color, so that you can put Ron Rivera in the mix. Maybe Eric Bellamy, and then they end up. Maybe they end up hiring one of them. But I'm just saying, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, like a uh, like a list submission, right? Like, or like a, a good amount. Like you're looking at six different coaches, and two of them are, are people of color, right? Or at least two of them are people of color. I like. I I, I actually like that one. Mm-hmm. I think that would be better. Again, Roger Goodell, if you're listening to this, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> right, somebody gonna hear me one day. Somebody gonna hear me one day. For sure. So that's that. All right. On to the next topic. We're gonna stay uh in football. And we're gonna talk about the history of black quarterbacks in the NFL and the stigma on them. So again, we from Baltimore, we like the Ravens, you know, Lamar doing his thing. And you know, it's people still hating on them saying he can't get it done in the playoffs or he's still not a thrower, he's a running back. And my thing is just I'm looking more into this on, like, the criticism and stuff. And if you notice, in the past couple drafts, there's always been a quarter – well, there's always the top quarterback getting criticized, but it's always, like, the most electrifying uh, black quarterback getting criticized. Like, Lamar – I believe last year, Kyler Murray, he was saying he was too short. Then you look at Lamar Jackson – um, people are saying he can't throw accurately. Then you go to Mahomes. I think um, I forgot, uh, I think it was like something with the system. I can't remember the criticism on him. But I know people were criticizing Deshaun Watson. I'm like, this dude won like uh, what was it? He went two or I know he won at least one championship against Alabama and one where he where he led the game in a drive and threw the game in a touchdown. Yep. And not to mention that game him and Lamar Jackson had in college. Yep. Uh, you saw two franchise QBs battle off there. And then a couple years ago, 2012, you saw Russell Wilson, who fell in the third round. People were saying he was too short, he was too small. Now he, here he is, Super Bowl champion. Like I'm just, So my thing is that these are, are the most electrifying QBs or the most exciting QBs to watch. And they're still falling. Like the, Oh, and this past year, Jalen Hurts. People now... I get at Alabama, he wasn't the best thrower, but at, we know when he got to Oklahoma, he cleaned his throwing up. Like his accuracy was on point. And yeah. I know it's still people criticizing him. So my thing is just, I still don't see how people are trying to use like black people can't play quarterback. So that's just my take on that. I think like it, the stigma of, of saying, okay, we need a quarterback. That's six foot, 
at six five, right. six four, six three, has a has a cannon arm and is white. We need to remove that. Like we've seen quarterbacks like uh and I wanna I wanna say like yeah, we've seen quarterbacks like Randall Cunningham and Warren Moon and Vince Young that play at a high level and they're not and they're not the tallest, but they definitely get the job done. And they're the most electrifying. They're the most fun to watch. Exactly. And they, like, and they they bring a lot of competition, and they uplift their teams. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like when Michael Vick was playing, he 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 took, bro. Like this man, Michael Vick, took the Falcons full one eighty. Full one eight. No, bro, number one pick. Taking the Falcons to no, to the playoffs against Brett Favre and the Packers, home stadium and the I, well, how many years um, the Packers have uh, gone without like a home like a home loss in the playoffs? I don't even know. Like, how many times it was it was something crazy like that. It was like the longest streak, and he won and he pulled it off. And Michael Vick, like definitely, everybody was looking at Michael Vick like, yo, like this is the real deal, right? Like this is the real and this man Michael Vick, you see him like he he's fast. It's must see TV, tallest. right? And he's oh my gosh, he's ringing again. He's fast. He got a slingshot for an arm. He can literally throw eighty yards with a flick of the wrist. Uh, Same thing with Randall Cunningham. Like before, he was the Michael. Like we were just talking about this. He was the Michael Vick before Michael Vick. Playing for the Eagles, and that one play that he rolls out the pocket, rolls out to the right, escapes, escapes, flings it all the way downfield, threading that needle. Man, man, it's like you look at that and it's legendary. Like, and nobody, everybody wants to criticize the black quarterbacks and what they're trying to do, but not a lot of people want to criticize the white quarterbacks that. They used to be good. Like, I mean, people like people criticize Eli Manning, but like, it's not like Michael Vick, right? Like when Eli Manning he coming off of his last Super Bowl ring, this man he was okay for like, uh, but like two years, yeah, like two or three years, and out of nowhere he just just went down the toilet, right? Then he got more weapons. Still was wasn't good. And they, they didn't. I think they no, no. They yeah, they made the playoffs one time. Well, with Odell and them. Yeah, yeah. Because it I was think, it was against Green Bay. Because that was when they was that was that whole thing when they was like Odell was on the boat or something like that. Whole crew was on the boat and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they still couldn't get the job done. And even with all the Arsenal weapons, like people were still looking at Eli Man like. Ah, he couldn't achieve. So what? Imagine if it was Michael Vick in that situation. You don't know how many people are going to be sitting there saying, man, Michael Vick is overrated, overrated, washed up. Like, man, like, you remember in the, in the, in the playoffs with Lamar, like just recently, my friend, he was at the game and he said, like, when he was in the game, People left, mm. and it was and some people was right. shouting like 
Lamar, you suck. Like Ravens fans themselves were saying, Lamar, you suck. And I like I have never seen that for anybody do that for Flacco, Jay Cutler, uh, what other washed up QB that used to be? No, Flacco, I, I, I don't know. No, I don't think. Man, I don't think anybody has really I, criticized Flacco like that. Like I'm talking about like trash, like yeah, like people like if you look at like if you really think about it, like they literally offered this man a hundred million dollars and then the next season we didn't even make the playoffs. Did no, did nobody sits here that. and says, "Oh yeah, Flac- Flacco's been is washed up." I mean, people might think that nobody says it out loud on ESPN and and live on on television right. and everything like that. Because the big thing with Flag was just like, oh, is he elite? And right. That was it. And it was just like, I don't know. Like, come on now. And like the criticism towards quarterbacks now, and now everybody want to look at uh, quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes, saying like, oh yeah, that's the best quarterback we've ever seen. That's the best quarterback we've ever seen ever. Like, right. like yeah, I, I, most electrified, yes. Pat Mahomes is that man. He's, he's that man. All right. You should embrace that. Don't be coming here when he exactly. when he hits a little bit of turbulence. Don't be sitting there saying like, oh, yeah, he's washed up. He's not good anymore. Oh, blah, 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 blah. He sucks. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Like, come on now. Like we, I don't want to hear that, because now he's he's one of the exactly. most talented. Now y'all you know saying he's like, he's like the better version of Aaron Rodgers if he keeps this up. Like the most talented and most electrified. Like, and don't like the criticism towards black quarterbacks has been tremendous. Like throughout this time, because like I said, once they hit a little bit of turbulence or they do something just a little bit wrong. Now they all want to jump and holler all, all, all on top of these black quarterbacks, and it shouldn't be that way. Have that same energy when it comes to uh, these other quarterbacks. Like, I don't know, like if, say for example Ryan Tannehill or something, somebody like that. It just just sucks just a little bit for the season. It's, it's a little bit of turbulence. I want to see all. I want to see all y'all who criticize the black quarterbacks to sit there and pounce on top of Ryan Tannehill and be like, hey, "You suck." Right. Well, I don't think that's gonna happen because if you have Derek freaking Henry, you got <laughs> Goliath back there to help carry you. Yeah. Oh no, he's not. not but I mean, he but, has a. It's a his contract is crazy. Yeah, you know, like the black quarterbacks, I feel like they get criticized too much. And not only that, the uh, I saw this video, and this person was saying that whenever it comes to evaluating quarterbacks between, uh, during the draft day or in the draft process. The black quarterbacks always talk. They always get talked about by their physical attributes, like their speed, their accuracy, like the measurables, right. right? Whereas the white quarterbacks, they always talk about intangibles. Like, say he's a great leader. He has a great um, attitude, stuff like that. Right. And like another thing is, people talking about Lamar Jackson should switch positions. He's a running back. Are we, we going to forget that Josh Allen leads that draft class in rushing touchdowns? Mm. Or he leads like quarterbacks and rushing touchdowns since that time, mm-hmm. but nobody's saying, "Oh, he should switch to receiver or running back." Like, yeah, because they see Lamar and they see the physical attributes and they say, "Oh yeah, he's fast." 
mm-hmm. real fast. And he's and he can juke. He's real elusive and agile. Oh yeah, we we can switch positions on him. He can be any position. He's black and he's tall. Like, come on now. Right. And they, right. And they try to switch positions, and I'm like, that's just I'm like, okay, that's gonna make them even like that's gonna put them more towards the bus territory. Because not only that, they spend their whole life playing quarterback, then at the pro level, you're going to make them switch a different position that they never played before, that they're going to have to pick up from square yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's like you're going to – you're basically planning for his career to be ruined. At, at, for right. his downfall. Like, um, oh, my gosh. What, is, what was his name? He was a good return man, though, um, for the Vikings. And then he also played – I think he also played for the Raiders, too. Oh, oh, Cordell Patterson? No, um, no. Oh, Josh Graves? Yeah. Wait, hold up. No, 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 no. No, he no, played no, for no. the Browns. No, it's some bro. I, but you can exclude, you can make put this part. But I forgot it. Was, I forgot it was this uh, the player that played for the Vikings, and ended up switching his positions. I think he came from uh, he it was something crazy. He came from a cornerback. To a, a quarterback, then he switched to a wide receiver. Then, and this is all during the college process, and he came into the draft as a quarterback, but then they switched his position again to a a, a wide receiver. Then from a wide receiver to a punt return man. And it was like, okay, I was I like, know. what are you like? What is going on? And then he kind of ruined his career because he could have been a better. Uh, QB because he played a majority of his college years right. as a QB. Oh, if I remember his name. I'm, I would say I would say it just randomly, but, but um, yeah, that was like Josh Scripps too with Cleveland. I believe he was a quarterback coming out of college. Well, no, that worked out for him. That was a bad example. Yeah, but um, what's the name? Terrell Pryor. This man. Um, That's another name, good example. Uh, Oakland took him. No, because he no Terrell. That was a good because Terrell Pryor. He was at Oakland. Now he wasn't a great QB, but I think he I think he was good. Like he it wasn't like he was terrible. Like he was a serviceable QB. He was a good to serviceable QB. It was a good dual threat. And then teams were like, no, we need you to switch positions. Cleveland. He had that one year as a receiver. Then after that, just like completely fell off. It hasn't been the same since. Yeah, that's. Yes, Julian. Yes, I know. You're right here. Yes. You see this? Yes. Yes, I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why are you coming in? You see, like, this is all, like, the third time. I just feel bad because I feel like all my friends are, like, the older sibling. I'm the, I'm the only youngest sibling. <laughs> Like I gotta, I just be like, yep, I be like, yep, I can, I can totally relate. Oh gosh, Jillian, Jillian, I'm, I'm gonna need you to give me like twenty minutes. Jillian, I'm gonna need you to give me twenty minutes. You know you can take that into the other room, right? Yeah, yes you can. Yeah. Oh my gosh, bro, do I? I gotta deal with this every time. I deal with this every time. Bro, this man has popped up in every session. Man, that's a, that's a, I'm not, I'm glad I'm not an artist. <laughs> I got to do, do this. All right, Julian, are you done? No. Are you done? What is he Bro, doing? Bro, he's playing a game, literally shoot it, and it's like... 
you know when you bowl and like you have like the yeah. little the little balls and you roll it in yeah. and you roll it into like those areas where it's like you get a certain yeah. kind of point for those areas. He's doing it for this. Yeah. Julian, it's eleven twenty-two at night. Oh my gosh, hold up. What are you doing? Oh my god, can you move? Can you move? Alright, just take my cards. There's nothing on the cards. <laughs> there's nothing. So there's Visa card. There's nothing on this Visa card. There's nothing on that Visa nothing. card. Probably $2.56. <laughs> Alright, you want $2.56? This one has nothing on it. That one has nothing on it. I'm about to lock my door. Jesus Christ. Right, you see what I'm saying? Like, everybody in this household came up here. Even my dog came up scratching on my door. If you look, if you listen through, you're going to hear my dog start scratching at the door. And I literally ignored it while you were talking. Yeah, this, this is definitely the, the most difficult <laughs> session we've recorded. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone didn't work, but my stepfather and my mom came in. My mom was like, my little brother just comes in out of nowhere and just be like, what's up? He just comes in like, what's up? And he's bored. <laughs> Damn, what are we talking about? Um, Black QB's position but switch. switch. All right. Yeah. All right. So I know I just gave the Terrell prior example. Um, but yeah, like people were talking about. I I remember after Tua took his uh, Jalen Hurts job at Alabama, most people were saying Jalen should either transfer or um, switch positions. And honestly, I was like, all right, might make sense switch positions, play safety. Or I remember somebody was saying play uh, safety would be smart since he knows how to play quarterback and can read and stuff. But at the same time, that's basically starting over from square one. And now he's second overall pick to the Eagles. Still think that the value wasn't good, but it was still a good pick. But um, yeah, and then you also looking at Lamar, who people are saying, oh, he should be a running back or receiver. No, because if you moved him to running back, you would have said he's too small. His frame's too small. That's why everybody was saying about Christian McCaffrey coming in. They were, people were saying McCaffrey's too small. He can't run between the tackles. And now look at McCaffrey. He's the best running back in the league. Now, if Lamar wouldn't want the receiver, that's just asking him to do a whole – that's just asking him to do like a whole nother thing, start over from square one. Yeah. And that's why I definitely respect Lamar because he said, No, nah, I'm not switching my position. I like QB and I'm going to stay QB. And exactly. I really respect that. And even though he, he utilizes his athleticism and his agility and his vision for the field and his ability to juke out defenders and move, move away from defenders, is definitely like, okay, he's, it's like people are thinking like, Oh yeah, he can switch positions easily. He'll do better as a running back or a wide receiver. No, you put that at quarterback and he's able to throw. Look at the monster that she might potentially build. Exactly. And he and he saw the vision for himself, and he said, "Man, I'm not." And he and people started saying like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna be the next Michael Vick." Nah, he's not gonna be the next Michael Vick. He's gonna be the exactly. next him. 
He'll be the next him. He's gonna be the next Lamar Jackson. He's gonna be the best of himself. And we are. You're gonna have like ten, like ten years down the line. You're gonna have kids, but I'm like, oh, I'm the next Lamar and stuff like that. Right. Saying that I want to be like Lamar Jackson. I want to have this. I want to be. I want to throw like him. I want to be athletic like that. That's why, like, man, I really respect Lamar Jackson for spe- stepping up for for himself, especially. Right. And he, he didn't. He didn't go with what some of his peers would probably bet on himself. Yeah, he definitely bet on himself. Definitely bet on on himself. But uh. And that's that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just say, um, if y'all, if he, if y'all want him to switch on running back or receiver, if he made that switch, y'all would have missed out on the second unanimous MVP in league history exactly. and the youngest MVP. And this must see TV, the 14 and two Ravens show that was must see TV. And you're gonna admit, you missed out on the the greatest, the greatest spin move that the yeah I knew you about to say. Oh, he broke his ankles. Man, he is Houdini. <laughs> Bro. He has an entourage. This man literally spin moved two defenders at once, even though it was the Bengals. And all you people talking about, oh, it's just the Bengals. Oh, it's just the Bengals. How about you go out there with them grown men and go out there and try and uh, coming at you full speed and try and hit a spin move? Exactly. And still go all the way. Exactly. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Can't stand when people downplay Lamar like that. Right. That's why we're going to keep on winning games. Mm-hmm. That's okay. They're not going to be laughing when we win the Super Bowl next year. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, also, another thing. All right. So, the, you know, black size, and now there are more starting to prove them wrong. Like, you know, like Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, and Lamar. But now this is this past year has been the year of the black quarterback. I think he got a. I don't know if it was the first time. I'm pretty sure that the league MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, and the rookie offensive rookie of the year was uh, all black quarterbacks. Then oh really? yeah, Kyler Murray, and then you got um Kyler Murray being another. I think like the third black quarterback to be first overall. Because I know Vic. Yeah, Vic was first, and then you got no fourth. He was the fourth, cause uh, Vic? yeah, Vic was Vic was the first. Then you had Newton, yeah, Winston, and then you got um Kyle Murray. Then, oh, that is yeah. And then Teddy Bridgewater played his way into a big contract with uh, Carolina, and now you got the future. You got Jalen Hurst and Jordan Love, who are going to be in. Both went to teams who are possibly could be in the future, uh, future plans, and they got. Uh, Justin Fields, who's the like the Heisman favorite this upcoming year. So yeah, black quarterbacks starting to step up more, or it's starting Definitely. to uh, prove people wrong. But I mean, let's let's be honest here. The only black quarterback that deserves some criticism is thirty for thirty, Jameis Winston. <sighs> that is. Just... <laughs> That's that's a basket case because the this man like all right yeah you got the best receiving duo in the league and yeah you go for just think all right just paint the positive picture best receiving duo in the league five thousand plus yards thirty plus touchdowns boom 
You're like, that's your franchise QB there. Then you show him the 30 interceptions. Oh, right. oh, oh, what, what, is, what is this? <sighs> but the thing is, he's been like this. It, it's just never been 30 for 30. Right. Like, it, previously, it was like 20 for 20. It was like, uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good, 20 touchdowns, but 20 interceptions is pretty bad, too. Yeah, I mean, we know not every interception is his fault, but still, that's. But still, some of the interceptions, like he just threw it up and just it, like, but come on now. The crazy thing is, that's not even the most interceptions thrown by QB in the season. How many was the was the most? I don't know. It was like some. I think it was Otto Graham back then. I know somebody threw like forty something. Oh, forty? Yeah, I know somebody threw forty something before. Forty? Yes. Oh my gosh! I gotta look this up. I gotta. No, I gotta look like, this up. Cause Winston is like he's good, but he still has that turnover bug. So I don't. It's like he can be. He's good, but he's not consistent. Exactly. So I'm just like I don't know. Hopefully in New Orleans with um, you know you got Michael Thomas. As everybody say, you can just throw slants on the whole time. Um, you got Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders now, and then you got um Sean Payton as your coach. So hopefully you can turn something around, but Jesus thirty Christ. for thirty. That's just oof. yeah, that's terrible. Just found it. A man named George Blanda. Oh, 19- it was George Blanda. Forty-two ints in a single uh, season. How many touchdowns? Oh though. Ah, uh, it doesn't say. Uh, Let me see. I want to look this up. George Blanda, nineteen sixty-two. Pulling up the numbers. Well, that makes he sense because well, nah. he threw 27 interceptions and had 42 INTs. You need a touchdown. Oh, yeah. yeah he had 20, 27 touchdowns and 42 INTs. Ah. And two years after that, he threw 17 touchdowns and 27 interceptions. Then he had twenty four thirty. Then it was 17 for 21. Oh, my gosh. This guy is horrible. Why do I feel like he's in the Hall of Fame? I feel that he's a Hall of Famer. Wait. 14 for 24. George Blanda. George Blanda. Bro, George Blanda. Selected to Pro Bowl plus first team all pro. Oh, he was a kicker, too. And he's in the Hall of Fame. That's how that's how you know that was the real football and back then. It, it was basically rugby. How are you in the Hall of Fame if <laughs> and and uh Terrell Owens wasn't a first ballot? Come on. So now. I'll be no Jameis Winston might be a Hall of Famer. If this is the case, if Jameis Winston can somehow win a Super Bowl, he might just be a Hall of Famer because you know what, James Winston? He was. I seen something where James James Winston said that I don't care about the uh, the interception. He said I know that I'm one of the greatest QBs to ever oh, do it. Yeah, I saw that. Something like that. You saw that yeah, too. He might be. Smoking. I was like, there's no way. I don't know this what he's smoking. Well, my thing is, he told no. The thing that got me is when he said, "I don't care about the interception." I'm like, well, yeah. You, any you can take away stats from any player and be like, oh, they're actually good. 
Yeah, bro. I don't know, bro. Like, how do you throw a 30 interceptions? Like, you can literally just be like, oh, if you don't look at his interceptions, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, that's great. That's a franchise QB. Right. It's like, bro, you can't like, just ignore that. Like, Oh, this is uh, I don't you know what I don't want to really bring that that conversation to this. Podcast. I'm just glad um, Baltimore was not in a position to take him. I'm glad too. But we I'm I remember glad. we took no, Brashad Bricks for hands Perryman. Bricks for hands Perryman. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm glad we had yes. that. We passed up on so many people. But um, yeah, I just know. The future of the NFL is going to have a lot more black quarterbacks to come. Uh, For sure. All right, so we're going to move on to our final topic, Dalen, which deals with the Saints since we are talking about Jameis Winston and the Saints. Jameis Winston might be starting this year, but that is going to be <laughs> – we're going to talk about the Drew Brees comment and Drew Brees and Jake Fromm, actually. So Drew Brees, quarterback of the Saints, he stated in an interview – that he's he's he said that um what do you say he said I'm not gonna um stand for, I'm not gonna stand for anybody disrespecting the flag, and then Jake Fromm, who's rookie quarterback for the Bills, said uh or is in the text message and said that white only white elites should be able to buy guns. So, the Drew yeah, so the Drew Brees comment, all right, all the people call him racist. You can't I can. Because the thing, what he said wasn't racist. It was just the thing about the comment is the fact that he still doesn't understand why um, Kaepernick was protesting in the first place, which right. a lot of people saw. Because it was, it wasn't, a, it was never about the flag. It was, uh, it was about police brutality, and which is still going on. So Drew, I believe Alvin Kamara said something where he said he spoke, he sat down with Drew Brees and talked to him and educated him about the situation. And now they're good. So that's why I think stuff like this should be. Like, we should just try and educate each other on the situation. But now you got people out here talking about, like, uh, well, Malik Jackson from the Eagles talking about he lucky uh, lucky we don't play him this year because he won the – or, no, he was saying he was looking forward to that game. And yeah, every was, like, cussing them out. <laughs> I know that locker room is shaking up. Don't be surprised if you see Taysom Hill doing all the work or Jameis Winston being the uh, quarterback this year. <laughs> They're not going to do that yeah. for sure. But, yeah. But, man, that was definitely heartbreaking to hear from Drew Brees. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, that, that that goes to show you that he's definitely not going to be a top three quarterback of all time. Let's just say that. Uh, just because of that one comment. It don't, it don't matter if everybody, like, forgives him or anything yeah. man like honestly like i don't get why he would say anything like that because now it's like why would he even say that like they nobody talking about uh the flag at this point is literally protest for george floyd and right. then he just brought up the flag like who who said that and then, that's like going to an ice cream truck and asking if you got burgers like <laughs> bro we sell ice cream right here like that's oh, that's completely irrelevant to what we have on going on right now you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like it's completely irrelevant right now. But I, well, think, I think the interviewer like, asked him something about I
the interviewer? Yeah, I think he asked. I think he oh, said the, something um, about this. I don't um, know. I'm not sure. Because I know he asked him the question. Yeah, I think he asked him a question. That's why he said he doesn't like particularly stand for anybody disrespecting the flag. But Yeah, uh, but just like it's completely irrelevant. He could have just said that, oh, yeah, I don't I mean, at this point, I stand by whatever. Or he could have just said, like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. He could have said, he honestly, he could have said that and nobody would have heard of, of anything. It's completely irrelevant. I mean, it, I think Drew Brees could have easily just said no, like I said. But the interview, he was wrong. But Drew Brees is also wrong for respond, responding to it, too. I know I remember hearing about that from, um, I think it was the Breakfast Club that I ended up listening to. Yeah. It's like some daily news or whatever. But, um, I think, like you said, I don't think he's a racist, but it's definitely ignorant to what's going on right now. Right. And it's like, okay, it's kind of like a, like a, I don't know, it's like kind of like a, a slap in the back of the head. Like, yeah. wow, like you really just, you really just said that? You said anybody that stand, that kneels of the flag and you don't respect them, it's like, like, like what Shannon Sharp said, and I and I thought the exact same thing when I was thinking about it. Like, do you not realize that our grandfathers, like I have a great great grandfather that that participated in World War II. Right. He was in the Air Force, and you think that, and it, I I think I believe now, if if he saw if he was able to see like uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the foot kneeling on the flag during the national anthem, I think he would applaud that. Right. Because I remember when my great grandfather talking to me about the injustice that he was going through and coming back from World War II. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people completely ignore that. And it's like, like, why? Like we we know what it is. Like we've we've heard stories from our grandfathers who've been in the military or even even if your family, you don't have a military family. You ha- you know somebody that's in the military. Right. You know somebody of your family friend or whatever, family friend, cousin, whatever. Or you can even just look it up online. You have nobody, absolutely nobody. And you can see and you can hear the stories that these people, these men that kept come back from World War II and serving the country thinking that you're going to be free. Somebody's going to give you praise. But then when you come back, nobody gives you praise. You yeah. When you come back, you're spit on. You you get called the N word, and you you get treated disrespectfully. I think a lot of a lot of white people really ignore the fact that, like, oh yeah, you shouldn't be kneeling for the flag. Like my grandfather, you know, he he fought for his rights, but what about my great grandfather? What about his father mm-hmm. too? Like this is history, and honest, I don't know if I had a a great grandfather, a great 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 grandfather. Oh, that's too far back. Great 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 grandfather that participated in the Civil War or even in the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you because our history is so mixed mixed up. But I probably I probably do in my bloodline. That Especially probably in the Civil War. Exactly. Who fought for their freedom? Who tried to? Who were promised their freedom, and weren't given their freedom? And when they came back, still slaves. Right. 
Yeah. Or when they came back, well, I mean, in the Revolutionary War, they came back, they were back into slavery. But when they came back from the Civil War, they, they, they can't, yeah, exactly. Segregation and the, as soon as you come back, it's, it's the, what, what was called the wandering, where you have no home, right. what black people had to go through. Imagine going to the Civil War. Your prom is 40 acres and a mule. And you still haven't gotten 40 that. acres and a mule. You still haven't gotten that. How, like, why? And for Drew Brees to, and I think just a lot of white people are just ignorant to that fact. They just don't know that. Right. Or they don't, they haven't talked to anybody about that. They have their own ideas and their own ideals about, or whatever they have, their own thoughts about, oh, this is how things should be. And this is my perspective. And so one-sided. And they don't think about the other perspectives of what people have gone through right. to understand you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, he doesn't know the other perspective, and that's why when Alvin Kamara sat sat him down and had a conversation with him, now he got that other perspective, and he didn't know that. Right? He didn't know that when he said that it was gonna be it was gonna be super backlash. Right? He probably was like he was just chilling. He just don't, don't care, and he just said it. He thought he spoke his mind. Honestly, like. And I think a lot of a lot of people need to understand, or a lot of white people need to understand. Like you need to look at things from different perspectives too, mm-hmm. you know. And I, that kind, no, I'm not gonna say that specifically for white people. I'm, I'm gonna say that for all people. Right. I think a lot of people need to look at things from different perspectives so that you can understand where people are coming from and come to an agreement about a lot of things. Yeah. Because we can, we always have our disagreements because about. Uh, how we're so one-sided about a lot of things. Yeah. We are are one-sided people. But we also need to have conversations so that we can build a a, a sort of like a utopia. Not a utopia. I I won't say a utopia. That's a perfect world, but a a better world. Right. Or a better better society for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why... We we as people definitely need to to come together, and should be able to have conversations like this, because right. Drew Brees definitely didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, he honestly didn't, but now he got that perspective, mm-hmm. and he understands that perspective, or he, at least he has an idea of what it is. Yeah. So any other last thoughts? I mean, yeah, that was a good point, and um, that's what's the name? Crap, what was I about to say? All right, and that's what I think a lot of people forget because most of the people fighting were black people. Like Civil War, Revolutionary War, they used the slaves, and then like World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, they were sending mostly black people because it was mostly black people living in the ghetto and po- more poor na- uh, areas. They didn't have a lot of money, and it was like you get drafted, where are you going to go? Whereas um, older, you know, like, um, I know disrespect, but it's like, you know, more white people who are up in society, they were able to like buy their way out or some people were able to run away. So right. most black people have fought in the war. And only that it's like we like you said, most of us have family who fought in the war. Like my um I think it's my uncle, my great uncle Shelley, who um he fought in he fought in Vietnam 
And like you said, if he saw Cap, like if he saw what was going on and saw Kaepernick kneeling, I I think he would be in favor of it. I think he would be okay with it. And then not only to mention the fact that Kaepernick, he got the whole kneeling idea from a, a soldier. Because he was originally sitting at first, and then a, sol- a soldier who was a 49ers fan sat down with him, had a conversation, and said, the, I think you should take a knee because it's a sign of, it shows respect for the deceased. So that's how that whole situation started. And now it's like Drewby is like, that was just a, I think it was just an ignorant comment. Like I said, he's not a racist. But, I mean, I still respect him as a player. You know, like he's still like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But it's just stuff like that. Because with celebrities, you have to separate their work from their personal life or like their um, outside life. So that's just, um, you know, that's just my view on it. And then the, whereas the Jake Fromm comment about elite whites only, should only be nah, that's the, by guns. Yeah, that was. No, nah, that's definitely that was right bad. there. Yeah, he. That was just like I don't even know what made him think to say that. I think now, I don't believe he was trying to hurt. Like he was trying to be racial or anything. I think he was just. I think he meant he was talking about like people, more responsible people, because that's the whole thing with gun control. A lot of people say, "Oh, more responsible people should be like should have be able to buy him or something like that." That was just a terrible statement. I don't know where I got that from. And uh, I think Buffalo was talking about cutting him eventually. I, don't know. I mean, I think Buffalo still want to keep him, but that was just – that's already strike one that you just got to the league. Well, I thought he was one of the, the better quarterbacks in the draft anyway. So, yeah. But uh, I don't know at this point. It says he's from Georgia. So, um, yeah, you can obviously get where that idea idea came from. Um, if you say the elite whites, and I think honestly, let's be honest here. You know what can stop gun control? It was from a, a famous Dave Chappelle quote. I'm gonna get it from Dave Chappelle. Every black man should be armed. <laughs> Every black man and woman should be armed. Then everybody's gonna be like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Calm down, Jamal. Don't pull out the nine. <laughs> that, that was from RDC. Yeah. Don't get that one. Oh my but god! Yeah, like, like, if every black man got armed, you telling me you go in the city, you like, you see all these, you see all these black people. I'm like, bag, one gun, two gun, three gun, four gun, five, five gun, six gun, whatever." If every black man was armed, now the government's gonna be looking at it like, "Dag, so many black, so many black people got guns. It's gonna cause more. They're gonna think, oh yeah, it's gonna cause more violence and whatever. Probably will. Yeah, probably will. Definitely. But I, I mean, more than more than what is what it is right now, probably not. Because the crime is pretty bad in the, in the cities, but we already talked about that in the in the different episode, in the last episode. But um, definitely, like 
you said the elite whites from Jake Fromm, like I don't know. What why why would rich white people want to have guns in the first place? Like they have security. The, like <laughs> those people carry the rich white person that I know who would probably own the gun is Batman. No, I don't even think he owned a gun. I'm like Batman don't he don't kill people. I, 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 he don't use a gun. You mean Bruce Wayne? Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Uh, nah, Batman. I would. I wouldn't think Batman would carry a gun. He'd probably carry a taser. He don't kill. Exactly. <laughs> Man, rich white person. Man, I don't think. I don't think elite white should carry guns. I don't. I don't think so. Honestly, I think it should just be stricter gun law. My my idea for gun law, for like gun control. I would say just get rid of like the AKs, like all the automatics and semi uh guns and shotguns and stuff, and just have like handhelds or honest. Oh, I would like I would prefer no guns at all. But what's the name? My thing is like leave all like the bigger guns, like the more dangerous stuff, to the military. <laughs> like man, why did I? My bad, but why do I remember somebody turned in a rocket launcher oh into my, the city? I do remember that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what Yo. do you have a rocket launcher for? <laughs> like, are you playing GTA in real life? Like, are you doing a heist bro, or something? He came, bro, somebody turned in a rocket launcher because you remember what it was? It was in the city. It was like, oh yeah, if you turn in your guns, um, we'll pay you. And so somebody turned in a rocket launcher. And it was a real rocket launcher. It's just like, here you go. Oh, be careful with that. <laughs> Imagine pulling that, th- going through the station, putting that in a bag, opening it up, and putting it on the desk or wherever it is. And the dude looking at you. Be like, like, Tell him, bring me my money. Hey. <laughs> Bro, you know how scared I'd be? I'd be like, bro, there's really dead. I'm bad. Just like, give, give him the money. Here. Pay him. Bro, that is crazy. Like, yeah, I, honestly, you know what I think? I don't think it should be stricter gun laws. Because if you think about it, if you if you don't have, like, if there's a lot of, all right, if there's nothing of something that people used to have, then there's going to be more demand of that. Right. If that makes sense. So, like, say, for example, like, uh, MacBooks were just sold out, or a lot of, or you know what? What if somebody just came around and took away all the MacBooks and all the Apple products? And people would be like, "What in the heck? We are going at Android. We're going at we want we want more Apple products. Right. So we want more of that. People are going to be looking at going crazy for Apple products. It's going to be the same thing with guns. If we take away if we take away guns." And people are going to be more demand for guns. Right, and I think it's going to open up trade, like um, what's the name, like drug trap, like gun trafficking or something like that. Right. Um, and so that's why it comes down to my idea: have every black man be armed. Every black man should be armed. Man, better get his rocket launcher back. I'm sorry, I'm just still so like, where do you get a rocket launcher from? Like, how are you just how are you just able to go into a store? Be like, yes, I want to purchase this rocket launcher. Here you go, straight cash. The man stole it from the military. Oh, he had to. Definitely. He had to. Because there's no way. I don't even think the military uses rocket launchers like that. Like they yeah. use it on like if they're over in like Afghanistan or Iraq and to come back, but 
really they don't even use them they use aircraft and stuff like that these machine machinery on on tanks and stuff and like lmgs and stuff they don't use rocket launchers. i know um um one of my uh one of my teachers this is really bad and i shouldn't be saying this i shouldn't be exposing them like that but Just don't it. say she's the name she, I gotta say, she's white but um i don't care me so she ended up yeah so she ended up bringing now this is gonna sound crazy she ended up bringing a flamethrower, a dead frame flamethrower that her grandfather ended up using in World War II to to class. This, or I mean, one, this for was Saint Joe for, to class just to see. And it was this big old tinga tinga. Nah, nah, nah. It wasn't. This is my old school. Oh, I was about to say, oh, and we had a um. It was a um. It was, um, I forgot what day it was, but we basically, we were, like, eating, like, um, who's was eating, like, biscuits, like, dried biscuits and stuff like that, that, like, people was eating, like, people in World War II was eating, and so she ended up bringing it in, and she brought it in, and there was no fluid or nothing like that in there, and it was dead, and you couldn't even use it, because it was more from World War II, it was old, brown, and rusted and everything, right. I was like, bro, she really brought it in my door. So, like, did nobody just see her that entire day, like, bringing in a big old flamethrower? No, no. Or just didn't question she, well, Let me correct myself. She didn't bring it to class, but she had it She had it in a car, and it was here with her that day. Oh, okay. Let me, let me correct myself. So, I don't want, I don't want. So, if, you, if you're from, if you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah. Why did I t- talk about that? Oh yeah, she was armed and dangerous at that day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Break, break. We got saying, a flamethrower situation. I'm just kidding. But just, I'm just saying, like, if if every black man was armed, then people would actually take things seriously. Like, if you know what, if every U.S. citizen was armed, I think crime would go down. Cause think about it. If every if every citizen was armed, then it's gonna be like, oh yeah, who's gonna get out the gun first? It's literally gonna be the wild west everywhere. But who's gonna take that chance though? People wanna you wanna shoot each other all day. I don't wanna die. I don't wanna kill nobody. I don't know. I don't think it's it might really... be. I don't think it's really going to be like any real solution to like gun control or gun laws. Man, they should have just why, why, why do certain races have to be so evil? Ah, oh. but that's the world we live in. Yeah, but we got we got so off topic. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'm talking about flamethrowers in school. I mean, that wasn't really off topic, but. It wasn't that awesome, yeah. but yeah. But uh, all right, so that's going to do it for this episode. And next episode, we're, we'll figure out the topic. And uh, also, actually, we might do a Juneteenth special. So, yeah, all right. So, you want to talk about, like, yeah. Uh, so, you want to talk about history? Yeah, I can talk about Juneteenth. Yeah, we can talk about that for a little bit. So, basically, to all of my fo- all the followers who don't know, Juneteenth, June 19th, 
is base is uh fourth of july for black people so june 19th is the day i believe abraham lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation right yeah i i still think it's controversial to this day but we'll get into that one or, no actually i think it was i think abraham lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation but down in the south the slaves still didn't know that they were free so i believe it was like two years after on june 19th that a general i forgot I can't remember his name, but that a general came in and told the slaves, uh, you guys are you guys have been free for like two years now. And then that's when like all the states start to free the slave or like, the slaves start to get free. So I'm gonna look yeah. do you wanna do like a um a history? Or like a like a I don't know. Like like kind of like a history, not a history lesson, but like a history of, of us talking about that. Yeah. So, I think that that's Yeah, we can do that for the next episode. Yeah, we can All never right. talk about that. But, that that should be interesting. Yeah. All right, so I have the rundown right here. It says Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and Cell Celebration Day is an American holiday celebrated on June 19th. It um memorializes June 19, 1865, when Union General Gordon Granger read orders in the Galveston, Texas, that all previously enslaved people in Texas were free. So that was the amazing. Yeah, so that was emancipating the last of the slave people, slaves, and that is... Wait, oh, wait hold up. Because your mic is like mad breaking up. Like, it's like Wait, can you talk again? It was clearing up, but can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you clearly. Yeah. All right, it's clear. Yeah. All right. So right here it says Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and Cell Liberation Day, is an American holiday celebrated on June nineteenth. It memorial it memorializes June nineteenth, eighteen sixty five, when Union General Gordon Granger reads orders in Galveston, Texas that all previously enslaved people in Texas were free. And that was the emancipation that was the emancipation of the last remaining enslaved African Americans in the Confederacy. So that is the actual um Independence Day for African Americans um here in America. Yep. I mean that's the run now. So next yep. episode um yeah, yeah next yeah, we can talk about, um, you know, like Juneteenth, the history behind it, and stuff like that. You also want to talk about uh, slavery, too, and some of that history going yeah. back, and some historical figures, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about so, that? Like, uh, important, like, different. Um, we can talk about, like, inventions made from black people. I like, just. Mm-hmm. I just think like it would be some like yeah it would be interesting like just do like a Juneteenth special yeah. like talk about like the history and stuff. Yeah, we can definitely talk about yeah. that. Talk about stuff that like most people that we don't learn in school and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. And so that'll be it. All right. I guess All right. So as a first episode, don't forget to follow us. We are on what are we? We're on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple. Apple Podcast. We're also on Google Podcast too. So if you want, you know, uh, if you're on Android and you use Google, or whatever that's your preference. Um, but yeah, that's going to end it for this episode. Um, 
like I said, reach out to us on social media if y'all want to be a guest or h- hook something up. But um, yeah, sure, we'll... anybody can come on. Mm-hmm. It's quarantine, so you might as well. Exactly. You might as and, well. Um, anybody can tell us any ideas. Just again, give us ideas. Send us something that you want to hear. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll do anything. We're cool with you, and then it it just be a great way to interact with y'all. Right. It's like yeah. If you say you wanted to hear like who's better between Beyonce and Taylor Swift, even though it's clearly one sided, we'll do it. Exactly. Like it's one sided, but hey, uh, we'll do it. But we'll um, do it. I have no I have absolutely no idea about anything Taylor Swift has ever done in music. Right. right. But I'll do it. We'll do an episode literally on Taylor Swift, I guess. Exactly. Whoever. <laughs> if you want that. Just give us that. Like, if you want, if you have something that you want us to do, just hit us up. But um, yeah, it's gonna end it, and I hope everybody can have a uh, celebrate Juneteenth if they can, and just um, be on the lookout for the for the next episode when we drop some you know interesting facts that most people may not know. But yeah, it's gonna end it. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.